Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A really solid, fun little ghost story. A perfect kind of Sunday night watch, I think, on like a dreary October evening. Like, if it's rain lashing outside, yeah. close the curtains, light a candle, watch the others. It's a pretty solid choice, I think. I think it's a really well-crafted ghost story. So um, I was, I was glad to revisit it. And it is one of those ones that you're like, oh yeah, the others, yeah, it's got that. Why do some people like suggest it more or talk about it a bit more? I mean, Nicole's just so watchable always. This is not news. And uh, I think you're given just about enough hints as you go to keep you intrigued. Hello and welcome to Flix Watcher. Here today we have Kobe. Hello. Laura. Hi. And Lillian. Hello. And we're here to talk about the others. The others. <laughs> Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts and anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello film fans, welcome to FlixWatcher Podcast. Our guests today are Laura and Lillian. Over to you please Lillian to introduce yourself and tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are. Hello, I'm Lillian Crawford. I'm a freelance writer um, and journalist, mostly writing about films, but also other forms of art and and um, theatre and things like that. Um, uh, BBC Culture, Little White Lies, Empire, Sight and Sound, Plinth, various different places where I write. You can find all my stuff on my website um, if you Google me, I guess. Yeah. Um, you have an autism film podcast. I do. I have an autism <laughs> film podcast. <laughs> Nearly forgot to mention it. Um, I have two podcasts. I have one called Listen to Lillian, um, which is all about British cinema, um, hopefully doing some more recordings of that soon. And I'm also a co-host of the Autism Free Cinema podcast, where we talk about films which resonate with um, some of us who are autistic, some people who um, are scholars of, of autism, looking at how films can resonate with neurodivergent audiences. So it's about it's about how people uh, on the autistic spectrum resonate with film and the films that resonate with more than other ones. Exactly. Because I mean, a recent classic was the Guardians of the Galaxy where Rex Tracks the Destroyer 
Um, yeah, <laughs> we haven't talked about Guardians of the Galaxy. Maybe that's a good one to do. Um, yeah, we, yeah, we we've talked about lots of films. I think the first one I I, did, I chose was Amelie. Oh, and, really? Um, yeah, yeah, of course, you can cause, see that. Yeah, because I I really strongly connect with that character. Things like um, some of Wes Anderson's films, Moonrise Kingdom, was one we did recently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so but Guardians of the Galaxy is a good suggestion. We should we should do that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Laura, who are you? Hello, uh, my name's Laura Venning. Uh, I'm also a freelance uh, film writer, critic, occasionally dabbling in in things like literature, but mostly film. Uh, writing for places like BBC Culture, Little White Lies, uh, Curzon, um, various other places here and there. Um, mostly about period dramas and queer cinema. How do you pick the um, the genres you talk about? Or do people almost like pigeonhole you as a, as a writer? <laughs> well, I think people do notice if you're interested in something and you've written about it, you will be potentially picked out to pursue those things, um, <laughs> which is lovely. You know, I, I'm not complaining. Um, I mean, those are where my interests lie, I guess, sure. in terms of my own identity as a queer person. And I think also growing up, I um, I know Lillian feels similarly because we've talked about it before, um, <laughs> that uh, that. I find queer, I find period dramas just a really interesting view of what Britain is, like our false version of what Britain was. There's like Mm -hmm. a really interesting intersection of like false nostalgia and a kind of reverence for the past. But how's that communicated in the present? I just find it a really fascinating genre that a lot of people write off as being inherently not interesting. I'm like, yeah, a lot of those films are bad, but they are interesting. They say something interesting about the country that we live in or the country we thought we once lived in. There's just a lot to get into there and I should stop talking about it now because I could go on and on. The country we live in, which is uh, interesting at the moment. Anyway. Well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Let's not go there. Um, so, Laura, you chose and brought the others to us. Can you tell us, first of all, why you chose it? And then I'll get the timer up and you will have 60 seconds to give us your synopsis. Okay, well, I chose this for a couple of reasons. Uh, One, because at the time of recording, it's nearly Halloween. I wanted something spooky. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also, I love a ghost story. And I'd never seen this, actually. I chose it without having seen it, which was perhaps an edgy move. But I just thought, you know what? I bet this is a lot of fun and I bet there's plenty to chew on. I also have a very distinct memory. This film came out in 2001 and I would have been eight at the time yes and I really remember seeing the poster for this film everywhere which is like this completely dark black poster with um, Nicole Kidman holding a like gas lamp Mm. and looking very nervous and I remember seeing this all over the tube and it's just this very evocative image so I just sort of thought it's finally time to find out what's going on with Nicole (laughs) and that lamp (laughs) (laughs) okay synopsis timer starts now Okay, so The Others is the story of Grace Stewart, who uh, lives in a remote mansion that's always surrounded by mist. Uh, and we're at the tail end of World War II. We're at the very end of World War II. She lives there with her two young children who have a allergy, life-threatening allergy to sunlight. So the house is dark all the time. Um, we assume her husband has died away in the war. We don't really know what's happened to him. The children start to overhear ghosts in the house or intruders we don't quite know what's going on and uh as the mystery gets even more frightening uh nicole grace i should say not nicole grace played by nicole (laughs) starts to 
unravel mentally. Ooh, spooky. <laughs> Fair enough. So, do you do you think it lived up to your choice? Are you glad you picked it for this now? Yeah, I am. It's one that I mean, I remember being like really well received at the time, or like really talked about. I think probably because also that moment, two thousand and one, was kind of peak Nicole Kidman. Mm. I feel like she was really at her height of the power of her powers in that in those early noughties. And but I was also kind of aware that like this film isn't really talked about that much now as this like I don't know either hidden gem or like masterpiece that everyone loves. So I sort of it was like oh yeah, this didn't quite. Uh, maybe this didn't quite meet my expectations or certainly didn't exceed my expectations, but it was still a really solid, fun little ghost story. A perfect kind of Sunday night watch, I think, on like a dreary October evening. Like it's rain's lashing outside, yeah. close the curtains, light a candle, watch the others. It's a pretty solid choice, I think. Um, had you seen it before, Helen or Lillian? Guess yourself, Lillian. No, I hadn't. Oh, wow. Um, it's... It, it was surprisingly and I'd also somehow managed to go my entire life without um, finding out the twist of this film which is apparently some feat because apparently it's well, I know it's a very famous twist but I have managed to always avoid the spoilers around around the film like Laura um, my knowledge of this film consisted of Nicole Kidman holding a lamp <laughs> um, and that was about it um, but I was very excited to see it because I knew that it was sort of in the same vein as um, something like Henry James's Turn of the Screws, sort of governess horror, I guess that kind of um, big haunted house Shirley Jackson um, gothic that 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 Netflix is very fond of um, having done um, two series now, The Haunting of Hill House mm. and Haunting of Bly Manor, in in quite a similar vein to to this one. Maybe they'll turn this story into a ten hour. Uh, version who knows um, <laughs> um but yeah i that's that's sort of the position i was coming from with it so i was looking forward to it but did not know much at all so yeah. did it did it live up to you any expectations you had on it yeah um well i don't think i had any expectations <laughs> except, except beyond the fact that i know i like this kind of ghost story sure. um the Innocence is probably the best film of that genre, uh, Jacques Clayton's adaptation of, of Turn of the Screw. Um, and I think that this doesn't, I mean, it doesn't quite reach that, but it comes pretty close. Um, it's a really gorgeous looking film. Nicole is sensational um, and incredibly hot with that shotgun. Oh my God. And that was, that was enough to sort of get it through and then the <laughs> twist comes and I was like oh my god I didn't see that coming and that never happens to me I always see the twist coming um it's like sixth sense I was like watching it as a child and was like huh, I see where this is going <laughs> the others <laughs> no did not dawn on me for a moment what was actually going on so um I know you said that we can spoil things but I really don't want to you can spoil away yeah. honestly generally spoil away Helen can spoil I don't I don't want to say it <laughs> you seen it before Helen I have, yeah. I mean, I feel like a dinosaur. I saw this at the cinema um, <laughs> and, and really, 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 really loved it. I thought it was great. thought it was really atmospheric. Like, I thought Nicole Kidman's kind of, like, icy English lady was was brilliant. And, yeah, and when I watched it, I was very much like, where is this going? What's, what is what is happening? What is... And, yeah, it, it had me as well. I was like, oh, oh that's clever. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy with not spoiling it, and I'm I'm glad that 
it still works being viewed now because I was wondering a bit like, oh, was I just a bit naive back in 2001 and just not really seen many films and was a bit kind of gullible. But having watched it again, I'm a bit like, ah, the clues are there. <laughs> From the very start, there's a line. I was like, oh, there we go. Um, What's the yeah, line? Give people, really... give people a, a bit of a breadcrumb, even though we do say spoilers, so you can say whatever you want. I don't know. I kind of feel like, I guess they're like, don't spoil it. Don't spoil it for the fun. Do you want me to say the line? I don't know. Say the line. I, feel... I don't know which line you're talking about, so I'm, I'm, just, I'm intrigued here. <laughs> well, it's like about... If it's at the beginning of the film, it's not going to give it away. Yeah, I mean, there's a character at the very, very start, and it's very quietly said, and the, the quote is, I imagine he's dead like all the rest. Okay, that does give it away. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. Maybe <laughs> you can like, edit that bit out. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. And it's like, there is a little, like, little bread mm. bits. There's like a really, it's just really cleverly done. And there's lots of like creepy old timey things about having photos taken of the dead. And that kind of comes back a few times. And there's... Uh, there's the the ongoing thing with the doors being locked and unlocked mm. and the the curtains being open and closed and there's there's not a lot not a lot actually happens apart from kind of like bump in the night type noises and I think it does really well to kind of sustain that suspense without actually showing too much which I feel is probably a little bit of a lost art these days but yeah I, I think it's a really well-crafted ghost story so um I was I was glad to revisit it and it is one of those ones that you're like oh yeah the others yeah it's got that why don't people like suggest it more or talk about it a bit more I think like in terms of like the Nicole I think this was like was it just I think it came out just before she announced the split it was definitely when she was working on it, it was oh, like well, the I last noticed maybe you film. did as well that it was like exactly produced by Tom Cruise, and I was like, "Oh, this must be at the tail end." The last of film, that. yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. think they'd broken up by the time it came out, or at least very, very, very close. Yeah, I'd never seen this before, um, and I think it's one of those films where sometimes the name just isn't that interesting. Not the others, but I know it's a lot of people um, do quote it and, and say, "Yes, yeah, a good film you should watch." So. I think it's just only the the fact it never crossed my mind at the time I was interested in watching this kind of film. I hadn't seen it before. So, you know, thanks, Laura, for bringing it to the table. Um, you know, I didn't know Chris Ferguson was going to be in it for a start. So there's there's lots yes. of hidden bits in there. That's, Keith, okay. Keith Allen. <laughs> yep, Keith Allen. I mean, I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of unpeeling of the onion all the way through, which is, which is really interesting. Uh, one sh- which I don't think will be too spoilerific will be the is like the um, those housekeepers that turn up at the start, and then Nicole Kidman's character is like, actually, I just realised I didn't put an advert in the paper. How did you know about this? And then they find out, you know, she's they they say they just stumbled across the house, and then uh, in a further conversation, they find she finds out that they'd worked at the house previously, and that's those kind of layers levels of creepiness just kind of build up. That's kind of subtle creepiness builds up and builds up. Chris Eccleston comes back in a weird way. And you're like, where is this? Where is this going? One of the questions I asked before we get into, went into the record is uh, kids in horror films, because uh, I think the the girl in this was was particularly creepy. I thought. Yeah, I was thinking of it kind of like a counterpoint to. I mean, obviously, I was also thinking about the Innocence, the classic 19, 1960s film, uh, which also features two children in a very creepy house. 
Um, although in that in that story, it's the little boy Miles who's really the sort of God, how to even describe it? He's sort of more connected <laughs> with the other dark world, whatever you want to call it. He's sort of more supernaturally sort of charged, and he's more of a threat. Whereas in this film, it's um, Anne who's just. I mean, she's a real little terror, and you just don't quite know <laughs> what exact what's going on with her, what's going on inside her head. Um, and uh, yeah, I I I realised thinking thinking about this, I mean, just how many classic horror films do feature children. I'm not a huge horror like person, really, not that knowledgeable. But even thinking about things like. I mean, obviously, you've got films like The Exorcist where a child is mm. essentially the protagonist. But then even in films like The Shining, you have the flash of the twins. You have Danny, you're, who you're Danny, yeah. in a way is the protagonist, sort of, actually. Um, and they're just they're just everywhere. You know, Rosemary's Baby, not that you really see Babadook. the titular baby. They're the Babadook. Mm. Night the of the Living Dead, of course, famously. Yeah, The Omen. See, I've never seen The Omen. Poltergeist. Mm. Yeah, yeah. A lot of ha- things Halloween. No, you're right. Um, Kids are uh, creepy, man. Yeah. Oh, Village of the Damned. That was the other they one I was going to say. There's a whole band of them in Village of the Damned. You can't get Children away. Children Yeah, God. What is it I about think... k- creepy kids? Is it that we, we don't know what kids are thinking? They're like us, but they're smaller. It's like an uncanny valley thing. What's going on? Well, it's, I, 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 it's like um, the have you seen the, the orphan films, which the the latest one came out, which is a bizarre film because the <laughs> the same girl who played her like in two thousand and nine is still playing her now as as a nine as someone who looks like a nine year old, which is hilarious. Isn't she like thirty? Um, isn't that the twist? Yeah, like, yeah it's, which it's is really funny, and the way they shoot it's really funny. But it's like the horror that comes from a film like Orphan is that it's like adult behaviors in a child like a nine-year-old with like a sexuality and like a revenge plot or whatever and it's like it i guess that's kind of the the idea is that it's like children saying and doing things that an adult would do um because as you say Anne is really quite horrible um Mm. but there's also this sort of gesturing towards another child that you that you don't know is there um i think the scene where when sort of what's the brother called i i forget um uh, and he's uh, nicholas i think yeah nicholas when he yes of course when he's in the bed and yeah. she's sort of saying that victor is in the room with them and then it touches him that was um that's one of the high points of tension, I think. Um, maybe it's because I'm I'm the kind of mean older sister who would definitely do that to my younger brother. Um, and it's like, oh, I would no, have no, no, done no. it to my younger sister too. I would have absolutely. It's what being an older sibling is. You got to you got to do exactly. it. Exactly. You got to terrify them. Do it, but it, yeah. it, it's kind of it's kind of not nice when you see it being done. Like that. it's like, oh no, I was a bit of a bitch as a child. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought she's particularly good. I don't know. I was trying to work mm-hmm. out if she did the other voice as well. Um, or if it was like dubbed on afterwards, but if she did, then I thought it was pretty phenomenal um, how mm. how she worked to to kind of voice at the same time. And maybe I'm just not giving uh, young actors enough kudos to do so. But I thought, <laughs> yeah, you you creep you creep me out, kid. Uh, well done. <laughs> I always rate like good acting by children's whether you find them annoying or convincing. So like, I definitely found these two convincing rather than annoying. 
Is there anything else you guys want to say before we head on to the scores? I was just going to say that the score is by the director, Alejandro um, Amenova, and it's gorgeous. It's a really, really gorgeous score. I was going to I was gonna say, because this is something a thought that did occur to me at some point, which was, do we think that the children's photosensitive allergy thing, which means mm. they have to keep the curtains shut, do we think that's real in the context of the story? Or do we think that's the mother's kind of slightly... Uh, unhinged uh, delusion because the film doesn't really give you an answer either way. I mean, I also wondered if it was because it looks really cool. Like, well, yeah, that's a very valid like, that reason. Kind of, but like, I wondered candlelit if, yeah. cinematography is really gorgeous. But I, I think it's because, like, it, it's, it, I suppose it's just a massive hint that they're actually not, that yeah. they are ghosts and that if the sun, that they can't be seen in sunlight, I guess. I suspect that if you I don't think it's holes, a real maybe it is a, I've, I, I'm sure there's another film with that condition in it about photosensitivity, but I can't I can't think of it. I'm not sure. thinking of Twilight. I'm not thinking of Twilight. Oh, it's something... funny you bring up Twilight because <laughs> the cinematographer for this film, I looked him up. He did New Moon and he did Eclipse. No and the last it has film such he did Twilight vibes. The last film he did was Lyle Lyle Crocodile. So the guy's doing really well. <laughs> what he's a made CV. it to Hollywood. Um he's got a fascinating C V. I would look him up. Um I can't recall his name right now, but he's had a very interesting <laughs> career. But yeah, it makes sense he did the Twilight films, though, or at least two of them, yeah. you know, the number two and number yeah. three. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, with that, guys, let's head to the scores. You're listening to a stripped media podcast. It might be discussing film, TV, cakes, even dogs. Uh, possibly but, all four. Very possibly. <laughs> but only one show on the network focuses on the musical medium, and that show is Song by Song. Yeah, Song by Song is a podcast that discusses the music of Tom Waits, the gravelly-voiced singer whose work we think is more than worth your time. And to be honest, we wouldn't have spent literally years making this podcast if we didn't think that was true. Probably not. Uh, every week we take some of his music, we share it with a variety of guests from different backgrounds and disciplines, and we discuss how it works and how it makes us feel. Our latest season is listening to the compilation of covers and rarities called Orphans, which is over 60 songs of his music. So amongst that, there's probably going to be something that will pique your interest. So once you've finished this current episode you're listening to, why not type Song by Song into your podcast app and join us for a track or two. Welcome to the Flix Watcher scores. All of our scores are out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish. And we'll start with you, please, Laura, with your recommendability. I think I'd give this a pretty solid four. Um, you know, I understand that this is probably going to be a bit slow for some people and a bit... I don't know. I don't see many horror films, new horror films out in the cinema, like mainstream Hollywood ones, but I know that they're stuffed with jump scares and mm. plenty of kind of thrills and chills. And this isn't really that at all. So I don't know if it would play to anyone who really likes that kind of thing. Um, but on the other hand, I sort of think a, a wide variety of people would enjoy this and uh, it's very gripping. So yeah, I, I'd give it a four. Lillian. Yeah, I completely agree. This is a four. Um, if you like haunted house horror films, who doesn't? This is this is a solid solid entry in the genre. I would say, Helen. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that it's kind of resonated watching it now because I did wonder how it would be to watch this now because 
it feels a lot older than it is, even though obviously it is quite a few years old. It does kind of feel very kind of almost like 1940s, maybe kind of ghosty haunted house kind of movie. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would recommend it. I mean, I'm surprised you all haven't seen it. So um, there are obviously people who haven't seen it. So if you haven't seen it and you've got this far and you're still thinking, yeah, I'm going to watch it, even though I kind of vaguely know what's going on and may or may not know the twist, then absolutely 100% uh, watch it. And yeah, I, I'll give it a four as well. I don't think it's going to be for everyone, but if you like kind of gothic horror, then this one's one for you. I'm going to go for 3.5 here. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely watch it. Um, it is it is a slower burn. And I think I'll get when it gets a small screen score, I'll explain a bit more there. Uh, repeat viewing score, <laughs> Laura. Well, this is a tricky one because repeat viewing when it when the, when the a film has a big twist at the end, it's just inherently mm. a bit of a, of a difficult one. On the other hand, of course, with any film that when there's a twist, you do get renewed enjoyment from revisiting it and putting the pieces together again, like, like Helen what did. Helen said. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think this is one where a few years down the line, I would I would revisit, but with enough of a gap to kind of forget some of its little tricks. Um, so I think probably overall a three. I think that's how it balances out for me. Lillian. Yeah, um, I completely agree that this is probably a, a, a three. I mean, my, my immediate um, instinct when it finished was to watch it again. But then I probably would never watch it again after that. So it's it's going to be a, a, a sort of one, one more to, to, to spot the threads that you were talking about, Helen, about sort of seeing it later, knowing knowing how it progresses. Um, so, yeah, I think a three is, is, is a solid rating there. Do you think, I've, I've never actually done this. But there must be there must be discussion points, blog posts, articles about the 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 uh, hints that reveal the twist at the end. Um, would you watch it alongside, or would you try and do it again by yourself and then go to some kind of article? Oh, always by myself. Yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> that's part of the fun. <laughs> I agree, Helen. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad I watched it again, but it was nowhere near the experience that I had the the first time and. Going into it, I was really looking forward to watching it again because I did enjoy it. And I think it's a great performance and it's very atmospheric, but it definitely did lose quite a bit on the rewatch. Um, and it is that the breadcrumbs are, uh, you're a bit like, I was, the, almost, I almost questioned my kind of buying into it the first time around. Cause I was like, what? really, really? They're saying that? Like, um, so yeah. Um, I don't know, two and a half down the middle. I'm not sure. It's just because it was a massive gap from seeing it now that I rewatched it. Yeah, I'm going to go 2.5 as well. And we talked about the Sixth Sense, uh, Lillian, obviously not going to give the, the, the twist there. But I'm sure when they reveal the twist in Sixth Sense, they do like a bit of a flashback to the scenes where it uncovers it. <laughs> and I always kind of think that kind of spoils it a bit. It just spoils it for the, for the rewatch factor for people. There's Just less... in case you didn't get it, here's some mm. illustrations. Yeah. <laughs> the thing with Sixth Sense, though, is that like it literally happens in the first scene of the film. Yeah. And then it's like, it tells you what happened. And it's, as you say, you see it again at the end. It's like, don't you forget that that's how this film began. <laughs> um, it doesn't do that in this film. It's much, it's much subtler, I think, um, which is what I appreciated. Small screen score, Laura. Well, yeah, again, I've only seen this on a small screen. Um... I think it's I think it's very good on a small screen. I mean, I watched 
for various reasons, I initially was on the big TV with the good sound and then had to switch to my laptop in bed. Uh, and I found it very effectively creepy in both settings. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously most films do benefit from a big screen, but there is something about sort of huddling up like in bed or wherever with a laptop very close to you with a spooky film on that that really hits maybe because it somehow the film physically feels close to your body because it's all a laptop on your lap something <laughs> about that with good headphones it's uh it's still a, a really enjoyable time so yeah i'd give this a four i think uh, Lillian, i think that i would agree this is very much a sort of chamber piece i guess and and it feels very claustrophobic which benefits from watching it on a tv watch it of an evening with the lights off or low it, it it does create a certain atmosphere that you don't necessarily get in a cinema so yeah i'd probably go fairly high and say a four on on the small screen one yeah you're not allowed Helen. to light candles at home in the cinema are you so you can watch it by no, light exactly. at home, which is so much nicer <laughs> yeah i mean i mean in 2001 I, I i probably saw this in the cine world in burton on chent so it's hardly the the the, <laughs> the most glamorous similar experience um i think this is actually quite a nice home watch obviously i would try and make it as dark as possible and uh yeah candles are a good idea obviously use candles safely and it, yeah it, i think it benefits from being kind of like quite claustrophobic so yes i think it's fine on small screen actually so yeah a five I don't think it's going to come back to the cinema, so you're not going to be able to see it big. Actually, I believe that the BFI, sorry to interrupt, but I believe that the BFI is actually re-releasing this, funnily enough, this October <laughs> or this November, yep. as part of their new season of horror. So oddly enough, even though you're right, it doesn't seem like the kind of film that returned to cinemas, it actually is. So is, there you yeah. go. <laughs> if you fancy it, I think it is going to be around the UK over the next few months. Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. it, it is surprising. There you go. <laughs> Knock yourself out at the cinema. Yeah, yeah. I'd quite like to have seen this in a cinema. I think I'm not sure. I don't. Well, I know I'm not going to watch it on rewatch because there's so many things in the cinema I want to watch right now, but I don't have the time to. So a reissue um, is lower on the pecking order. But I think this sense of atmosphere and being enveloped by the story pay dividends in the cinema. Um, and it just look it just look nice. It does look really nice. Um, so engagement score, Laura. I think again, I'll go for a four. I, you know, it takes a little while to get to its conclusion. I think there's a little bit of meandering in the kind of second and third act, but in general, I think it is just, yeah, just really engaging, really fun. I mean, Nicole's just so watchable always. This is not news. And uh, I think you're given just about enough hints as you go to keep you intrigued, even though things do meander slightly, like I say, uh, as the film draws to a close. So what was your score, sorry? Oh, sorry, I said four. Four. Um, Lillian? Yeah, um, I think I think visually it was very engaging, as you say, and, and, and I certainly, my interest certainly peaked towards the end when I realised, I sort of started to realize what was what was going on um i think there was a bit in the middle i think it was after i mean surprisingly given how much i love chris freckleston i think around it did sort of sag a bit in the middle for me after a very strong and compelling start so i think i'm going to go a bit lower and go for a 3.5 on um engagement you guys were neck and neck until that point i wanted to yep. see if we did a clean sweep just um, agree on everything <laughs> <laughs> helen 
Yeah, I agree. It's it's an hour and forty four minutes, and it just just about sustains it for that. But there, yeah, there is a bit, there is a bit of a moment where it suddenly you just want to like, come on, t- I want to get to, I want to get to the thing that I don't really know is happening, but you're going to give me a good reveal, and it just takes a little bit longer to get there. Um, but yeah, it's still it's, it's still very entertaining. So a four for me. Yeah, it was a bit of a slow burn, and this is part of the this benefit, if that's a word, of watching something in home viewing, it's, it, you can kind of switch off and try and pick up again later. So I did, I think I did this in three sittings. So yeah, I obviously wasn't fully engaged or I was just too tired. So I'm going to go for a three here. And that gives us an overall score of 3.59375. Specifically. It's all right. Guys, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for bringing a film you hadn't seen before, Laura. Um, a wild gamble, I'm sure. I think Helen's referred that to before when people... Maybe we need to come up with a name for it, Helen, for when people bring on films they've not seen before as a, as their choice. Um, and then at least they can't... At least you're not... Defend, you can, at least you, you can't be too disappointed if it's taken poorly in this podcast, I guess. You can't be too emotionally attached to it. No, exactly. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have been too heartbroken if you'd all hated it, although I would have been sad <laughs> that I would have inadvertently made you sit through something you did not enjoy so i'm glad everyone did at least enjoy it <laughs> yeah so laura and lillian can tell everyone where we can find you online as a reminder and then we'll say goodbye to listeners we'll go to yourself first laura you can find me on twitter at laura underscore venning and you can also find my writing on lauravenning.com my little website where i just have my portfolio and ways to contact me lillian um, yeah, and likewise, you can find me on Twitter um, at Lil Croft and my website, which is www.lilcroft.com, where I have all of my various writings and things. Um, you can also find the Autism Through Cinema podcast and the Listen to the Million podcast on whatever podcast streaming service you're currently listening on. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at Flix Watcher Pod on Twitter and we're at Flix Watcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood R O K K Wood audio tell them flicks what sent you you just heard a stripped media production 